Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. If there's something you feel I'm missing in this study, feel free to email me at truthpod at yahoo.com. That's truthpod at yahoo.com. Because, you know, I mean, just because I'm doing this study doesn't mean I have it all together. That, uh, you know, I have I know all of it. I don't. There's things I miss, and there's things I have to leave out just because, uh, you know, because of the length of it or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, I have my reasons at the timing of it doing it. Um, but I enjoy doing it. I'm glad I get to do this study you know, on a, on a podcast and talking about the cross and, and, uh, I'm learning things about it. I hope that you are. Um, I believe it's beneficial to all of us to know as much as we can about what Jesus did at the cross. It, it helps us to draw us closer to him. Uh, it encourages us to, uh, tell others, you know, about the great price that was paid for them you know, and uh, it's, it's, this is not a private faith that you and I are in. I know people like to say faith is private, you know, and but it's not. This is a public faith. Jesus made this a public faith that we tell others about him, and I hope you are doing so. If you can, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of doing podcasts, um, I do not take it lightly, Father. I thank you that uh, you give me the grace to prepare and the ability to prepare and the uh, tools I need to prepare these studies. Father, I pray that you would touch everyone who listens. And uh, Father, I, I, I just pray that they be impressed with what Jesus did at the cross. That's the main thing, Father. Help us, Lord. Remind us of what he did. Help us to see, help us to help it to sink deep into our hearts of what he did at the cross and how much he loved us to do such a horrific and hard thing that we just cannot comprehend it all, Father. It's hard to take in. Father, thank you for the listeners. Thank you for everyone who downloads this podcast and listens, and I pray your blessings be upon them and that you'd open their hearts to understand, Father. And if anyone happens to be listening who are lost, that they in some way, Lord God, that you would just draw them by your spirit to the foot of the cross. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen, right? song I've chosen this week was written by Jason Ingram and Chris Tomlin, Matt Marr, and it's called Jesus, Son of God. Um, as the title implies, the song is about the debt paid by Christ when he died on the cross. The lyrics highlight how through his death, Jesus atoned for our sins, saving all humanity, willing to have him as Savior and King. Jesus, Son of God, you came down from heaven's throne. This earth you formed was not your home. A love like this the world had never known. A crown of thorns to mock your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face. A love like this the world had never known. On the altar of our praise let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you laid down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice. Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus, Son of God. You took our sin. 
You bore our shame. You rose to life. You defeated the grave. Love like this the world has never known. On the altar of our praise let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you laid down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. Be lifted higher than all you've overcome. Your name be louder than any other song. There is no power that can come against your love. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. This is my 23rd study in my series I'm calling Road to Golgotha. It's about the final days of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He has spent about three and a half years training his disciples for the most important mission ever expected of any men to carry out. The truth of them carrying on without him hadn't crossed their minds. They thought he'd always be with them physically. He knew better. So he spent a large chunk of his time training them. Fast forward to where we are now. Judas is dead by suicide. Peter has denied ever knowing him, and all his disciples have forsaken him. Right now, you may be at the place in your life where you feel alone. Maybe you've relocated and you're far away from your family and you feel alone. He knows, Jesus knows how you feel. Maybe you've lost your mate that you were married to for so many years and now you feel a void in your life. He knows, Jesus knows how you feel. He has been beaten, battered, and bruised, not because he has done anything wrong, but for you and I. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Let's not overlook that little word, little three-letter word, our. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. No doubt his body is aching from the abuse. It's no doubt hard to move because of the pain, and his body is, exalt, is, is exhausted because of lack of sleep. He has been mocked and ridiculed, and that will continue till he breathes his last breath. Today I want to talk about the moments before they drove the nails through his hands. So let's turn to Scripture. John 19:17, English Standard Version says this, And he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Mark 15, 21 through 23 in the English Standard Version says this, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Luke 23:27 says this in the ESV version, And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Luke 23:32 in ESV, to others who were criminals, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. The road to Golgotha is almost at an end. These are his final footsteps 
before reaching Golgotha. I want to talk a little bit about the Via Dolorosa. This is from Wikipedia. The Via Dolorosa, Latin for sorrowful way, often translated way of suffering, is a processional route in the old city of Jerusalem. It represents the path that Jesus would have taken, forced by the Roman soldiers on the way to his crucifixion. The winding route from the former Antonio Fortress to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, a distance of about 600 meters or 2,000 feet, is a celebrated place of Christian pilgrimage. The current route has been established since the 18th century, replacing various earlier versions. It is today marked by nine stations of the cross. There have been 14 stations since the last late 15th century, with the remaining five stations being inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Unquote. Anyway, 2,000 feet might seem like a short distance to walk, but think about a person who has been brutally abused by the Roman soldiers. Remember, he had a cat of nine tails used on him. Cat of nine tails was a whip with uh, so many uh, straps on it that had pieces of bone and metal and glass. And, uh, and they, it was a long thing. And uh, the uh, guy, the lictor, who was, that's what the Roman soldier was called, who would use this whip and he would run and, you know, slash at uh, the person who was his victim. And these pieces of bone and steel or metal and glass would cut deeply deeply into the victim and uh leaving gaping wounds and and you know and i talked about in my previous study of the suffering of christ and and the abuse he took um so they left him to the point where he could barely stand okay i mean to be able to stand after all that taking place i mean it's just it's hard to fathom i mean you know I'm, I'm 61, and it's getting tough for me to stand because of my knees, you know. And I, I can, but it, it's hard to stand for long periods of time. And um, But here's Jesus. He's been abused all night long in one form or another and, uh, and then tortured, you know, at the hand of this lictor. And here he is. He's, he's standing. I mean, you know. So to, as I was saying, so to travel two hundred or two thousand feet would be quite a a, um, a venture, a, quite a, a thing to accomplish, you know, because of the the condition his body is in. Thinking about that, you know, that distance, just two thousand feet, must have seemed like miles because of the pain from the stripes he bore. The pathway or road he walked was not in the 20th, 21st century, as you know, you and I would, you know, see a pathway or road. We walk down sidewalks, you know, that are very smooth, you know. Uh, seldom do they have high rise, you know, something that can trip you. Um, once in a while, you'll walk down a sidewalk that uh, where part of it is lifted up, and if you're not careful, you can trip. But most of them for, you know, uh, are, um, you know, pretty smooth walking. This wasn't the case in Jesus' time. Um, uh, to expect it to be a smooth surface would be a bit naive. It was no doubt made of cobblestone, 
and an uneven surface, so walking it would be difficult at best. Um, today, pilgrims or Christians go to the Via Della Rosa so they can contemplate what it must have been like for Jesus to walk on this road. There are shops on both sides of the road which can be distracting. It is still a wonderful sight to see. I, I recommend if you get a chance to go to Israel, go down the Via Della Rosa. It is just, it's an amazing um, path. Amazing in the sense that um, you, you know who uh, had walked it before you. It says he went out bearing his own cross. In some, in some cases, the condemned was forced to carry the cross beam to the place of execution. A whole cross would weigh well over 135 kilograms or 300 pounds. Okay, but the cross beam would not be as, quite as burdensome, weighing around 40, 45 kilo, kilograms or 100 pounds. So that would be more bearable. So that's why... Uh, it is believed that he carried just the cross beam and not the entire cross itself. This was important since public punishments were meant to be shameful events. Victims had to be made into objects of ridicule, sending the community a message about what happens when you break the law. I got the following from uh, BibleWord.net. Although Jesus is usually pictured carrying the whole cross. This may not have been the case. The practice was to have a permanent stake on the ground with the victim to be crucified, having to carry the crossbar on his back to the stake. Did they make an exception for Jesus and force him to carry the whole cross? We don't know. I, you know, but I unquote, okay. So uh, that's what uh, BibleWord.net had said about it solid wood. In John 19, 17, uh, John says, Jesus carried the cross, while in Matthew 27, 32, and Mark 15, 21, and Luke 23, 26, we are informed that Simon of Cyrene helped Jesus to carry the cross. There are no exact figures on the weight of the cross. It is believed that it be made of, to be made of solid wood, so the whole cross is estimated to be around 300 pounds. Uh, 136 kilograms, while the crossbar is estimated to be around 70 to uh, 90 pounds, you know. So, again, this other person writing and talking about that. Um, weakened by the torture, scourging, humiliation, and beatings, carrying even a crossbar would, would have been too much for Jesus. That is why they had to force Simon to help Jesus bear the burden. But there was one burden Simon could not help Jesus with the burden of sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. So it would be reasonable to assume Jesus on carrying the cross or carried the crossbeam to the cross. It's also reasonable to assume he was not able to bear this beam for any long period of time, since Jesus was weak and exhausted from being up all night, severely beaten at the hands of the Roman soldiers. He was slowing down the progression of this execution, so the soldiers draft a man to carry his cross. Simon of Cyrene. 
Simon of Cyrene is one of those interesting people we briefly see in the crucifixion story, whose part feels all the more important because we only get a glimpse of him. He's there for a moment, and then he disappears. But seeing what he did and understanding the background tells us, some, tells us something very powerful. Simon from Cyrene had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and now he was humiliated be, by being forced to carry the cross. Of an unknown criminal, Roman soldiers had the authority to draft citizens. There was to be no delay in this execution. The Passover was about to be celebrated, and the Jewish leaders did not want their holy day desecrated by the dead bodies of criminals, John 19.31. I got this from the B.E. commentary in a quote. Mark referred to Simon as, though the people reading the gospel would recognize him, the father of Alexander and Rufus, Mark 15.21. Apparently, those, these two sons were well-known members of the church. It seems likely that this humiliating experience resulted in Simon's conversion as well as in the conversion of his family. Simon came to Jerusalem to sacrifice his Passover lamb, and he met the Lamb of God, who was sacrificed for him, unquote. Cyrene was an ancient city, ancient Greek city on the North African coast near present-day Shahat, a town located in northeastern Libya. The precise location of the ancient city was 13 kilometers from the coast. Cyrene is listed by the UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. Golgotha, the skull, called Calvaria a skull, a place outside Jerusalem, refers to a tradition that Christ was crucified where Adam was buried and where his skull was found. And that was taken from the Dakeson Notated Study Bible. Layers of church tradition have obscured the precise location of Golgotha, but it must have been just outside the city walls and on a well-traveled thoroughfare for it was the practice of the Romans to carry out crucifixion in full, full, full view of people, and a road into Jerusalem would have served the Roman uh, publicity purpose very well. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh. What exactly is this? This is actually prophecy coming to pass. Psalm 69.21 in the ESV says this, They gave me po poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Now that's in the book of Psalms. It was customary to give a stupefying po potion to intoxicate and help alleviate suffering. Proverbs 31.6 But Christ refused it so to suffer the full penalty for sin, sober and in his right mind. There followed him. Public executions drew crowds of spectators, and one involving Jesus was especially attract attention. Add to this the fact that Jerusalem was crowded with pilgrims, and it is not difficult to believe that a great multitude was following the condemned man to Calvary. In that crowd was a group of women who openly wept and lamented after as they sympathized with Jesus and contemplated the terrible spiritual condition of their nation. Then there were two others. Their names are never mentioned, because this is not their story. They were perhaps loved by their parents. Maybe they had brothers and sisters. 
They may have thought that they weren't terrible sinners, but here they are being led away to be crucified. Their sins had caught up with them. We will talk about them later as they, as they meet the man in the middle. Jesus is walking down a, a terrible road, this uh, Via Della Rosa. He's carrying a heavy cross. I mean, 100 pounds. He's 33 years old. To lift 100 pounds at 33 wouldn't be too much of an effort except for all that he suffered, all that he has um, went through the night before, lack of sleep, thirsty, hasn't eaten anything since uh, oh, the Last Supper with his disciples, you know, and so here, here is his body, his physical condition of his body, and he's he's weak, you know, because he's been up all night, all night long, and uh, he was tormented by uh, evil spirits in the garden, uh, by the devil, you know, and, and demons. They tormented him, and uh, because he began to pray harder, and, and sweat, his sweat became as great drops of blood. So all of this had transpired just a while before he started down this road, you know, the road to Golgotha. And uh, he is, he, he, everything has to hurt. I mean, he has to hurt from head to toe, head to toe. And uh, to carry a cross on top of all of that is just unthinkable unimaginable and as we would say today inhuman and inhumane to make someone do so uh, but that's the type of crowd that uh, was there you know and that's what the Roman soldiers made their victim do victims do is carry their cross I think the, uh, the the thing about it is placing that cross upon his shoulders after his sh shoulders have been cut open. It, it's that had to hurt. I mean, like crazy. That had to. I just, you know, I don't like pain. I don't know about you. I don't like pain. I know it's a necessary thing to tell us, uh, you know, when something's wrong. But I have the best way to make my wife laugh. And that's when I stump my toe on something. I, I just don't know. She finds it funny, but it hurts. You know, I don't like pain. Um, anyway, um, I the worst I think I ever put up with, and I may mention this in a future uh, oh, part of the study, is that I had went swimming one time and I didn't put sunblock on and I got blistered from shoulder to shoulder. I mean, I could not put a shirt on because it hurt so bad the next morning. I had to even call into work and told them I could not come into work. And that's rare for me to miss work. I, you know, I can probably, you know, very few times I've ever missed work. Very few. But that was one of them. And from shoulder to shoulder, I could not imagine placing a cross on my shoulder at that time. And I was probably 29 years old, okay, I couldn't imagine, here's Jesus, probably about 33, maybe a little more, 
uh, 33 and a half somewhere or a little bit, maybe, you know, 33, let's just go around there. And, uh, here he, they got a cross beam. He has to carry. They don't care. They don't care that he has been abused all night. They've been part of the process. They don't care to them. He's just a criminal and he's got to carry his own cross. But in doing so, he's carrying it and he stumbles and it falls with, I, I can, it don't, the Bible don't say that he stumbled and fell with, I know that. And, you know, and if you want to argue it, well, I mean, you have the right because it don't say he did, but just reasoning it out and thinking about this road that he's walking on before he gets there and it only being 2000 feet, but still the pain of what he must have went through and, and, you know, carrying that weight uh, you know, just and he probably had to drop it quickly. And the Romans were seeing this, and they may have even tried placing it back on. I would assume they would have tried placing it back on him, and maybe yelling at him, "Get up, get up!" You know, carry that cross, you criminal. You know, whatever it might have might have taken place. And I know I'm taking some liberties here. At least they're in the right way. Uh, but uh, he was. Um, you know, and he would probably stumble again and drop it or whatever. You know, I, I I don't know. But they see that it's slowing down everything. It's everything is, they need to get him to the cross at a set time. They need to get him, you know, on that cross, hoisted in the air by a set time. So they grab a man out of the crowd who looks like a, a probably a strong guy who can, you know, carry this cross no problem and make everything go a little faster. And so they grab Simon, a Cyrenian, you know, and uh, they bring him out. Here he is, you know, and they slam this cross on his back. Say, you carry this cross for this, this criminal. And uh, I'm sure you don't look at a Roman soldier twice, you know, and, and, and object to what they're telling you to do because they have a big sword on their side and, I think they know how to use it. And so this man, Simon, is forced to carry his cross. And, uh, you know, here, here it is. This is all of it in a nutshell. You know, things are going a little better now. Scripture says he looks, Jesus looks over and he sees some women weeping, you know, women weeping for him. Somebody cares. He, he don't pause to take pity on himself. He don't pause to say, well, thank you, ladies, for weeping for me. I really appreciate None of that. None of that. He tells them they should be weeping for themselves because of what's coming in the future. He loved them enough to warn them. So they continue down this road, you know, and... Uh, 2,000 feet away, and that you know, and he's approaching Golgotha. There it is, you know, there it is. And he, there's a humongous crowd following and probably trying to stumble over each other to get a look. And could you imagine if this was taking place today? They would be people out there with their cell phones out trying to, you know, record this event and this man, Jesus, back just a little bit ago stumbling and, you know, and some in the crowd probably laughing and then how they yank Simon out and, and the crowd probably gasp, you know, because they, you know, this is a private citizen or you know, not a criminal being forced to carry a cross, you know, and, and, um, 
they would want to view this, you know, and see this on their on their uh, Facebook. And this is hard. This is hard, but he's doing it for you and I. He's doing it for uh, us out of God's desire to set man free from sin. Remember, Adam and Eve put us here. Adam and Eve are the ones who put us in this sinful condition when they ate of the forbidden fruit. And, and uh, because they disobeyed God, all of mankind was condemned in their loins. And um, so here's Jesus now uh, participate, participating in the plan of God to redeem man, to actually break the contract that Adam had made with the devil when he ate of that forbidden fruit. And here it's about to be broken. Jesus is being brought and thrown down to the ground. There's a cross, uh, the long pole that the cross beam would go on and it's right there waiting or it's uh, actually it's probably already up the the beam the pole is probably already up and and in just a matter of moments they will be yanking him up yanking the pole and as they yank the pole then his hands would be stretched out on the cross beam you know and and I'll get to more of that as I go along in the study on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.